Have you ever thought to yourself, I wish I knew how to find the best grants for me? Grants I actually had a chance of winning. Maybe I'm just not a good enough writer to win grants. I just can't seem to get people to see the value of my work in my community. I know my work is incredibly important. If only I could get more grant makers to see that, I could do so much more good in the world. Well, if you have had any of those thoughts, I recommend checking out my comprehensive online grant writing course, Grant Writing Made Easy. In this self-paced six-module course, I will teach you how to find the perfect grant opportunities for you, write well-researched, compelling grant proposals, and build long-lasting relationships with funders that set you up for future success. Grant Writing Made Easy is the fastest way to learn everything you need to know to write grant proposals that help you fund the incredible work you do and leave your mark on the world. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, if you enroll now, you'll also get these exclusive bonuses. Bonus number one, 30 days of writing exercises emailed to you. Bonus number two, access to our private members-only Facebook group. Bonus number three, a $600 coupon code for a one-year subscription to GrantStation's Grants Database. And bonus number four, 11 live online writing workshops per year. And you get lifetime access to all of this. So head on over to www.writegoodco.com forward slash grant writing pro to learn more. You can choose one payment or you can even choose monthly payments and get started for just $97 today. Again, head on over to writegoodco.com forward slash grant writing pro. In the past couple of episodes, we have talked about highly specific grant writing topics, including how to reapply to the same grant more than one year in a row and how to even know if you're ready to hire a grant writer. Episodes like these are really great because I know that I'm sharing answers to questions my fans and students in our classes ask me all the time. These episodes help people solve pressing real-life problems in terms of getting the funding that they deserve. Most of the topics we cover in the podcast are inspired by these questions, and while I do love sharing highly specific grant writing advice, I also love when I get more general questions about writing processes and strategies. Maybe it's something about how challenging it is to put into words what separates good writing from average writing. Teaching writing is one of my passions and it's my expertise, so whenever I have the opportunity to do that, I'm super excited. So that's what today's episode is all about, the hard-to-put-your-finger-on qualities of good writing in general. So let's hit some of the high points of what makes for good writing and how each of these qualities relate to grant writing. If you like what you hear today and you're interested in learning more about good writing in general and grant writing more specifically, I invite you to check out our comprehensive grant writing course, Grant Writing Made Easy. In that class, not only do I teach our students about the important sections of grant proposals and the best strategies for approaching each section, I also teach them through activities how to make each section a well-written and polished piece of writing. So once you finish the course, you have a complete grant written. So if you'd like to learn more about how Grant Writing Made Easy has helped my students and how it could help you, please check out the link in the show notes. Or you could just head over to writegoodco.com forward slash grant writing pro. All right, let's jump in. The first qualities of good writing that I want to cover today are balance and consistency. 
Now, what do I mean by balance? Well, there aren't sections that are overdeveloped while other sections are lacking, whether in length, research, or description. So for example, when you're writing a grant, you might find that the organizational history section comes really easily for you. You've probably had to talk and write about your organization a lot in the past, so you know what to say and just how to say it. But when it comes time to sit down and write a statement of need, you might find yourself at a loss. We all know that paralyzing feeling of sitting down in front of a blank screen and having no idea where to even start. When you finally get something written down, you might find that the statement of need you've written sounds nothing like the organizational history, which came out so easily and reads in a smooth, almost conversational, natural way. Of course, grant makers aren't judging you the way a professor would on the quality of your writing, but quality does matter because... When the writing is stilted or difficult to understand, it disrupts the reading experience of the person reviewing your application and might lead them to get distracted or believe that you're less sure about what you wrote in the statement of need and maybe the argument or the need isn't as clear and maybe the need really isn't that strong. Even if that's true, you definitely don't want the grantmaker thinking you can't make a solid case for the need for your program. So you're going to need to revise your proposals to ensure that your final draft has a consistent voice and tone throughout. So go back through after you have that complete draft and read each section out loud to yourself. Are there parts that sound more natural, conversational, or confident than others? Ask yourself what it is about those sections that make them sound that way. In my experience, writing that sounds unnatural often sounds that way because it has some forced vocabulary or you're trying to overcomplicate something or sound more academic or more complex than the idea actually needs to be. When people aren't sure about what they're writing, sometimes they overcompensate by using big, impressive words. Don't get me wrong, if your writing style is just more elevated and you have a knack for using high-level vocab, don't change more power to you. But if when you read a section out loud and a word sounds just over the top, don't be afraid to sub it out for a simpler, shorter word. One key example of this I see in grant proposals and just in academic writing of especially, you know, incoming freshmen is they say utilize instead of use. They think using the word utilize makes whatever they're saying so much smarter. It doesn't. Just say use. When you can use a shorter word that says the same thing, use the shorter word. Now, there's a difference between revising and editing. When it comes to revising, I recommend putting a few days between the writing and the revising time. So try to finish the draft of the proposal several days before the grant is due. Then take a day or two away from the draft, and when you come back to it, there will be enough distance between you and your writing that you should be able to pick up moments of inconsistency or gaps in your logic. Or better yet, have another skilled writer give you feedback on your draft. Now, if a writing exchange is something that you're interested in learning more about, definitely tune into the next episode. I'll be talking about how you can make writing, editing, and revising a collaborative process. Okay, another thing that contributes to a lack of consistency and balance in writing is huge shifts in the length and complexity of sentences. 
A really long sentence every once in a while might be necessary for describing a difficult part of the theory that supports your work, for example. But if you get to a section when you're reading your draft out loud that doesn't sound like yourself and sounds stilted, maybe because you can't even make it to the period without gasping for air, don't be afraid to chop up those sentences into smaller parts. As with word choice, sometimes with sentence length, shorter can be better, and variety is always better. Finally, I want to talk a bit about how to integrate quotes into your own writing. So this is especially important when you're doing a statement of need. One of the most common causes of writing that sounds inconsistent or choppy is that the writer is relying too heavily on quotes to prove their point, to make their argument. So quotes are a great way to lend credibility to your argument, but there is such a thing as having too many. I challenge my students to try to summarize or paraphrase as often as they can. The only time you should use an original quote is if it captures the meaning so perfectly that there's no way you could state it better, then use the quote. The key here is to always introduce the quote, so don't just drop it in there without any explanation of why you're using it. So sometimes it works to say something like, According to expert A at Think Tank Inc., then quote them. But other times it might be smoother just to quote the key phrases that hold the most meaning and integrate these two to four word quotes into your own writing and just include a parenthetical citation at the end of the sentence. Also, if you do say something like, according to expert A at Think Tank Inc., and then you quote them, You better, at the end of that sentence or after that sentence, explain why you're telling the reader this. What is this supposed to help them understand? All right, now that I've covered balance and consistency in your writing and how these qualities work in grant writing, I want to talk a little bit about descriptive writing. Description in a grant proposal is going to look a bit different than description in your favorite novel, but I want to make what I think is a useful comparison between the two. Whenever I read fiction that has incredible descriptions, I imagine myself almost as a non-speaking character in the story who stands at the edges of scenes and observes all that is going on. What I mean is that I can really visualize what's happening in the story as if it's happening around me, like it is a reality equal to the one that I live in. Writing fiction like this takes huge amounts of skill, practice, and work, but when you're writing a grant, your description of the program should also be so well done and detailed that people reading it who have little to no knowledge of your work can understand and picture your plan and its execution. You have an advantage here over the novelist who has to conjure scenes from her imagination, since what you're describing is real and in front of you. The key is to look at the program you're describing like you're taking it in for the first time. So when you're doing that, don't leave out information just because it seems so obvious to you that you couldn't imagine it another way. Another method for improving the level of description in your grant proposal is to include quotations from participants in your program. Of course, you'll have to get their permission before you use their words, but if there is someone who has had a positive experience with your organization, ask them to talk to you about it. If they say something particularly impactful, you should definitely include this in your proposal. Using quotes from program participants and telling their stories will make your proposal come alive. 
Your work likely affects real people, and by including them in that story, you will be able to convey this human element to the grant maker and thus help them better understand the impact of your work. A side note, if you've ever taken a fiction writing class, you will know exactly what I mean by this. The backbone of so many great pieces of fiction is the compelling dialogue that carries the reader through the story. This is what adding quotes from program participants, real voices, is all about too. Now, like a work of fiction as well, setting a scene can be just as important as including quotes from participants. Not only does it take good descriptions of actions that characters take, it also requires that there be believable and interesting surroundings or a setting for the story. Instead of describing the physical setting of your program, you're going to create a setting by describing the context of your program. This is what the statement of need is really all about. So for us, that means describing what conditions in your community, your county, or your state, or your region make it so that your program is necessary to address the needs of your participants or to advocate for a particular cause. The setting in your grant proposal will be made up of statistics, news pieces, maybe descriptions from community members and program participants, Demographic statistics are particularly helpful in the statement of need. For example, if you're seeking funding for a program that helps single mothers attend community college courses, it would be helpful to include stats about educational attainment, income, poverty level, and more in your statement of need. And like I explained earlier, it's very important to integrate quotes and statistics smoothly into your writing. So again, just like with quotes, don't do a data dump on your research. So data dumping is when a writer just lists a bunch of stats that are probably relevant to their argument, but they leave it up to the reader to figure out just why and how the stats matter. The same goes for whether you're talking about pieces of legislation that are impacting your work and your population or anything else. Don't leave the grantmaker in the position to figure it out. The phrase that you need to remember is don't make them think. Make sure that for any information you include, you carefully explain why it's relevant and how it makes your argument. Before I sign off today, I want to give you one last piece of advice. Although it might be hard to write well yourself, it is usually pretty easy to recognize good writing. And one of the ways to learn how to do something well is to watch others who are skilled at it and try to imitate them. So right here, I am just making a case for reading great writing. All great writers are also great readers. There is always something out there for everyone. So whether you love paperback mysteries, poetry collections, or emotional historical fiction, your reading habits will help your writing skills. Even if you don't have time to read Anna Karenina, Take some time each week to read something that really engages you. So something beyond something you find on social media or news. Then think about what it is about that writing that pulls you in so much. Besides being good for your writing skills, I bet you will find this exercise enjoyable. I would love to hear what you've read recently that you loved and that you really admired the writing style of. And as always, if you have a grant writing topic that you'd like to know more about, I want to hear from you. We will be planning the next batch of episodes soon, so don't delay. Ask us your questions by emailing us at support at writegoodco.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-G-O-O-D-C-O.com. 
Until next time, good luck with whatever kind of writing you're doing. Bye for now.